Hey teachers, you've got questions, I've got answers. That's what this episode is all about. I am answering things that are important to you that you need help with. I am tackling three questions from podcast listeners in this episode, and you are not going to want to miss it. I promise at least one, if not all three of these questions, are going to be something that you're like, mmm, that was some wisdom. That was a truth bomb. I needed that. But before we get into the episode, I want to share a podcast review. And the user is Stephanie500. And she said, it's relevant, it's concise, it's funny. Monica, you've turned me into a podcast listener. I love that these are short, funny, and oh so relevant to teacher life. You truly make me feel like I am doing things right and making a difference. So much energy in the last several years have been focused on data, report writing, documenting law, test results that I felt so disillusioned. I love how you were talking about what really matters in the life of every student, connecting with them. That's where education truly starts. Thanks for all you are doing to help balance the scales. Thanks for being real this pound. Kaboom! I love it. Thank you so much. I do think that these are hopefully relevant and also concise. I love that you said concise because sometimes ain't nobody got time for a 56-minute podcast episode, but I think there are times during our commutes or during cooking dinner where we do have time for about 15 to 20 minutes. If you've got like 30 seconds to write a review, if you are loving this podcast, I would so appreciate it. I will give you a shout out as the listener of the week on a future episode. But for now, let's get this episode rolling. Only in our world is this normal. friends, it's me, Monica Genta, and I'm really excited to be bringing you episodes of this podcast every week. It's full of tips and tricks, stories and strategies, celebrations and struggles, all from the real life that we are living every day. Welcome to This Teacher Life. Oh my gosh, friends, I'm really pumped to do this episode. I know that every other week I'm releasing more of a topical type of podcast episode. And this one is really, really fun because it's really, really personal to the needs of you guys, to the needs of the listeners of this Teacher Life podcast. And as I started going through the tons of questions that came through on Instagram when I did a shout out for this recording, I noticed something that was really, really cool. And the questions that were popping up most consistently are actually the things that I'm most passionate about anyways. When I do live professional development in schools and in conferences, that kind of goes into three different categories. One of those is student engagement and motivation. 
Another category that I love teaching on is making sure that we love our job, that the climate and culture of our classrooms and our school communities is super, super positive. And then I also like talking about relationships and how we can connect that to our content. So we're hitting actual like learning standards, but also the social and emotional learning standards. So uh, in this episode, we are going to answer three different questions. Each is connected to one of those things. And one of the questions that came through for so many of you, and I, I so appreciate this, is this is kind of a hard thing to deal with. And it's, what do we do when kids refuse to engage? We want them just raising their hands all the time and having fun and participating in class. But what do we do with those students who are just like, nope, mm -mm, not doing it. You could light yourself on fire and I don't really care. Like they have these enormous walls up. So what do we do? And instead of saying, here's what we do, I thought it would be important if I give you a rundown of what we don't do. Because in those moments as teachers, when we are frustrated, I think what's really, really easy to do is almost remove the student from the setting to say, you know what, I'm going to have you go to another classroom or you know what, if you're going to act like that, I'm going to send you down to the office. And I get why that is our instinct, because sometimes it truly is best to remove that student from the situation, especially if it's going to get volatile or even potentially violent. But one thing that I think is going to help the relationship and also help engagement is if we never remove those students from our classroom. Because friends, that's exactly what they want. They want to be removed. They are either struggling with the content and that's creating behaviors in the form of refusal. So if we get them out of our classroom, guess what they're missing? more content. And so I think that's just going to spiral into even more frustration for both us as the teacher and also for the kid as a student. So I never want them to miss more content when they're already refusing to participate. Another thing that happens is a lot of times when those kids have walls up and they're refusing to participate, if we remove them from the setting, then they aren't hearing the interactions that are happening. And not just from a content level, but from a communication level. A lot of times when kids are trying to escape to the library or turn in lunch money or to do all of these things that they don't have to do in these particular moments, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, yeah, you know what? You're having a struggle and so we're just gonna say no thank you and go on and head down to the office. Go ahead and take care of that task. I never want kids to feel like I don't want them in the classroom. So what do we do when kids refuse to engage? If they want to put their head down and pretend like they are sleeping, or if they want to say like, fine, I'm not going to do it, and they're going to cross their arms, guess what? That's fine. In some cases, I realize that, you know, there's so many different ways that we can look at this. And then there's like, well, what about when the kid throws a desk? See, that's a totally different type of thing. That's when you get the principal or the dean involved. But if it's just a kid saying, no, I'm not doing this, basically with that like screw you mentality, I don't want to kick that kid out. I don't. I don't want to basically feed into their refusal. 
And when we get fired up and say, then leave or then fine, forget about it. Uh uh-uh. uh, I want them to be a part of the classroom community. I refer to my class periods as families, like my first hour family, second hour family. And I don't want to kick a kid out of my family. So what do I do when a kid refuses to engage? I let them at least be in the setting with us as a family because I still want them to see and hear and experience the things even if it looks like they're not paying attention with their head down and their hood up. Oh, they're still listening. They truly are. All right, the second question that came through was, uh, and this was something that was really actually consistently asked about, And it was along the lines of like, Monica, you've got a lot of energy. You've got a lot of enthusiasm. You're kind of that teacher. What do you do when another teacher in the building or in the hallway or maybe your own teaching partner does not share that same kind of enthusiasm? What do I do? I say, okay, that's okay. That's okay. I think sometimes we want to get people on our same level and share our same enthusiasm. And friends, when that happens, it can be really positive. Like it can, we can level up our other teachers in our building, but I never want to force another teacher to share the same passion or maybe share it in the same way. Because I think that's the key here is oftentimes we think they're not passionate like I am. No, they probably are. They just don't show it in the same way. I show my passion by getting excited, by clapping my hands and by like fist pumping and by just being insanely positive in my school. That's how I show my passion for this profession. But I understand that not everybody does. Some people share their passion by just exploding in their classroom with knowledge. They pour that out every single day and it might not look like what it looks like in my classroom, But I think we sometimes start to judge like they clearly don't like their job. You know what we need to do is we need to trust that they do like their job. And when we can encourage and when we can equip them with tools to help them level up, we should. At the end of the day, I think sometimes we get so obsessed with getting other people to love their job like we love their job that we forget that at the end of the day, we need to answer three simple questions. Are we having kids love walking into our classrooms? Are we as teachers loving walking into our classrooms? And is everybody learning something? We need to make sure that we can individually say yes to those three things and also give the other teachers in our building the flexibility and freedom to also say that even if it looks and sounds different. I'm not saying that we can't encourage teachers to to show a little bit more excited. And when there's a spirit day, they should be dressing up. And when there's, you know, something fun to get involved with the kids that that they should also be doing that. I'm not saying that we can't encourage and inspire other teachers and our teaching partners to do that. But I also think like, instead of pouring so much energy and trying to convert somebody else's viewpoint, why don't we just pour that energy into making sure that we are loving what we're doing, and kids are also loving what we are doing. All right, it is time for a fun fact of this episode. And this is currently getting released on Tuesday, November 12th. 
I don't know when you're listening to it, but if you were listening to it because it just got released, the fun fact is today is my birthday. Yes, uh, November 12th is, is my birthday. And I'm not a big holiday person, which is kind of interesting considering I just shared about like passion and enthusiasm for things. I, I don't get way, 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 way pumped up about holidays like some people do, but I love celebrating birthdays. My own and other people's. I think it's it's like an undervalued holiday. Like we we should celebrate these more often. And so if you're listening, thank you for celebrating today. Thank you for celebrating this Tuesday, November 12th. And if you're listening on a different date, that's okay. Celebrate somebody's birthday today that you know. Get in your Facebook app. They always give us those friendly reminders of whose birthday it is. Reach out to them. Tell them happy birthday. Explode with excitement the next time that a student of yours is having a birthday because I think that that's something small but significant that we can do to help celebrate awesome in our classroom. All right, I've got one other question that uh, I want to talk about on this episode, and I think this is something that. I want to keep doing. I want to make sure that this podcast is helping you live this teacher life to the best of your ability. And so uh, we're going to keep this going maybe once every couple of months where I'm answering questions that are relevant and important to you as a listener. So the third one for this episode is, oh man, I feel this one. What do we do when there's so much grading? This teacher uh, basically went on to explain that they want to take grades for things because that helps give student feedback and it helps kind of guide students, but it also takes so much time. And I think all of us teachers can absolutely feel that. So I've got a couple reflection questions if you're kind of in this mode too, like, man, grading takes forever. My thought is this, does everything have to be graded? In my opinion, it does not. Not everything has to be graded. That doesn't mean that everything shouldn't be reviewed with students, but do we physically have to paperclip massive quantities of papers and bring them home and grade them every single night? I think sometimes what we need to do is we need to go over that live with students in our classroom. Do kids really need five grades for something like addition of single digit numbers? Do you need five grades to prove that the kid knows it? Probably not. Do I need to take five grades on proving that my students know how to complete a Punnett square? I don't. Do you know how many grades I took on that throughout the the actual quarter? I took one grade and it was a quiz grade. I went over it five times with students. We had independent practice. We had group practice. We had lab partner practice. But when it came down to it, I ended up taking one grade in the form of a quiz on Punnett squares. So I think somewhere along the line, we got obsessed with the number of grades in our grade book. And I think sometimes schools do dictate that. Like in my school, I have to take two grades per week. But it doesn't say that they have to be 50-point grades or 25-point grades. It just says it's important for parents to understand how their kids are doing on a weekly basis, which I totally understand. I get that. I think that's super fair. 
But do you need to be taking six, seven, eight grades a week on the same type of content? No. I think we really, really, really need to reflect on, is this proving that my students are proficient? And if it's not, then let us take a step back and say, doesn't mean it's not good for them to practice it. Doesn't mean that it's not something that we should do as a class, but do I physically need to put a letter grade on it? Maybe not. Now, the second part to this is how can we grade things but make it more efficient? In the world that we live in right now, we've got so much technology that helps us with grading. Even if you're not a one-to-one school, there is still free technology that does not require an iPad or a Chromebook or a laptop. There's something like Plickers, and it is free technology that can capture grades in the matter of 30 seconds. Something that I use in my classroom, again, without using a Chromebook, is I've got something that are called smart clickers. They're synced up to my smart board. I can get grades for students in the matter of seconds. So I think, you know, we don't necessarily need to grade less. We need to grade smarter. We also need to be just more reflective about why we are grading this. And if we're grading it to prove proficiency, awesome. But if we're grading it simply so we have grades in a grade book, that's where we get into a little bit of trouble. Friends, I hope you've had a great time hearing some of these responses to questions that are from you and for you. What I want you to do is continue to reach out on Instagram or via email or on Facebook Messenger. If you've got something that you need answers to, I would love to help you on that. Or maybe if you're like, man, we need more information on this within my school. We need professional development on relationships or student engagement. Right now, what you got were like snippets of my my full theories and philosophies on three topics. But I love diving deeper with schools and making live professional development happen in your own building. One thing that's really fun as a classroom teacher is I love delivering relevant professional development because I can say, I literally did that in my classroom yesterday or last week. And I just, I love diving in and doing life with teachers because friends, we are all living this teacher life.